I usually don't travel with so much luggage, but I brought a couple of things I want to share with you tonight. Uh, so any of you who got the email may be aware that the, the theme that we're exploring tonight is Suzuki Roshi's teaching on Zazen, uh, which is called Just to Be Yourself. Seems pretty easy, right? So the inspiration came from this. There's this, um, there's this book that was put together on the 100th anniversary of Suzuki Roshi's birth. Uh, there was this conference held uh, down in Redwood City, uh, kind of like scholars and practitioners meeting to talk about Suzuki Roshi. And there was the idea of this book, which is stories, short anecdotes of Suzuki Roshi uh, from his students. So like from the, from the first generation's mouths. And there's this by uh, Tension Reb Anderson. For the last 200 years in Japanese Soto Zen, the understanding of most teachers has been that Shikantaza, literally translated as just sitting, our, pra our practice of meditation, Shikantaza, just sitting, was Dogen's Dogen Zenji's essential practice. In accord with this mainstream understanding, Suzuki Roshi established Shikantaza as our essential practice as well. But Suzuki Roshi was unique among all the teachers of Shikantaza I've encountered in saying that Shikantaza or Zazen is just to be ourselves. Who would have thought that he was being revolutionary with an everyday phrase, like just to be yourself, you know? So I've been contemplating this instruction and my sense is that uh, there are layers, layers of meaning going on here. Um, I don't know if any of you have read Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind and then gone back to read it sometime later and been like, wow, that's in there. And it kind of happens over and over again. So I think we can take this phrase on its face, just to be yourself is enough, is like, just what, it, just what it sounds like. Just be yourself. You're doing zazen. That is all. There's also this valence of um, being sort of self-possessed. Like, be yourself. Be authentic. Be sincere. Um, Suzuki Roshi had this other phrase, everywhere you go, you're the boss. You know, that sort of thing. Like, be yourself. And then maybe, I was thinking, being not doing. How many of us have heard this phrase? Being not doing. Maybe something going on there too. And then the next layer of it before I, before I actually looked into it, um, just based on, my, based on my Dharma training, I was thinking, oh, you know, just to be yourself means to not be pushed around by greed, hatred, and delusion. It means I get to maintain a level of choice in my life and not be, not be dominated by the defilements of the mind. Maybe that's it. So I looked, I looked into the records and to my, to my research, I could only find four occasions when Suzuki Roshi ever used this phrase and they were all in the last year of his life, his last year of teaching. Um, and they all centered around integrity, sincerity, 
and how we treat ourselves, how we regard ourselves in Zazen. I mean, just right there, you can, you can take the notions of sincerity and integrity being integrated and treating yourself kindly. And that, that's pretty, pretty easy to tap into in the spirit of the Zazen that we teach. So to just be yourself, I'm also, I'm also seeing it as including a guarantee. A thought experiment for you right now. If you count down from five, and when you get to zero, just try not to be you. Just, hey, we can do it together. Five, four, three, two, one. Don't do it. You, you can't. You're guaranteed success at Zazen. That's fabulous. <laughs> Just to be yourself is enough. I'm so, I'm, congratulations. <laughs> and this, this, this is Suzuki Roshi's way, you know, that so encouraging. Just like you can't, you can't fall off. So if Zazen is just to be yourself, you can't do it wrong. And here's where it gets first layer of complication. You also can't do it. You can't do it wrong and you can't do it. And yet, how many of us had to make some effort while we're sitting there to stay, to be here, to, to um, attune to the body and the mind? In uh, Dogen's Bendowa, he puts it this way. He uses sort of big language, but see what this evokes in you. Although this inconceivable dharma is abundant in each person, it's not actualized without practice, and it is not experienced without realization. When you release it, it fills your hands. How could it be limited to one or many? Just to be yourself is enough. And without practice, it's not actualized. And without realization, it can't be experienced. Yikes, what do we do with that? Something about engagement. Elsewhere, Suzuki Roshi said the, something to the effect of the most important point in Zazen is wholehearted, complete, continuous effort the entire time. And somehow that's in there too, right? So let's zoom out a little bit. This weekend, right here, uh, we, had, we had a giant platform that was covered in yellow cloth. And the Buddha was in a sort of canopy. Uh, I don't know if any of you, did you, any of you see pictures of this or something? We had a mountain seat ceremony. The mountain seat. And uh, what that means is we installed a new abbot. The community installed a new abbot. Or someone was, um, someone, someone was invited and actually agreed to become the abbot of the temple. It's quite a responsibility. So... Um, it was a really big weekend. It was like, the last, last time this happened was four years ago. And before that, uh, another five. 
So it doesn't happen all that often. Mako Vocal here at City Center. It also happened at Green Gulch Farm, Jerry Richmond Byler. It felt a whole lot like a family wedding, just like the whole extended families coming into town, folks who practiced here for decades or decades ago. Uh, this room was full of people. And this community was transformed through our ceremony together, just like, just like with a wedding, how it transforms a community or it transforms a relationship. Um, through that process of bodies moving through time and then doing things, saying things, and then when it's over, something significant has happened that the whole community recognizes. It has that same sort of, same sort of sense. And it also, the transformation that happened doesn't belong to any one person. It's not like Mako was changed and all of us are the same, but the whole community shifted, right? So quite literally, they, um, they come up here and they ascend the mountain. It is precarious. We put them on these narrow steps. I was worried the whole time they were gonna like trip off or something. Put them on these narrow steps and then they get up on this platform and then they make a number of statements. Standing up here in front of everyone, one, one for world peace, one in honor of the ancestors, one in honor of the members of the temple, and uh, then really touchingly, they make a statement to their, their root teacher, their heart teacher. And then they say this thing. Let us call forth the Dharma, give me your questions. And then monks come up one at a time and they have this Dharma exchange here in the hall. They do um, a question is given publicly in the hall and then the new abbot standing up there in their new abbot clothes, speaking for the first time as the abbot in front of the community responds and that together calls forth the Dharma, right? So at uh, Green Gulch, Jiryu, someone came up, posed the question. They said, oh, I'm sorry. Jiryu, before he got on the mountain, just to emphasize that he wasn't doing this alone, he posed this really great question. He quoted this old story, uh, uh, an old Zen teacher saying, why can't a person of great strength lift their own leg? It's not a riddle. No leg, no person, no lifting, no great strength. There's just this moment of experience, just this body right here and now. And it's the, it's the mutual conditioning of everything that moves the leg. It's not the person of great strength's leg. And then Jiryu says, Let's see if all beings right now will move this leg. And then all beings moved Jiryu right up that mountain. And then he faced a question and someone said, what medicine will you give? And his response, God help us if I am dispensing medicine. Something to that effect, right? 
And he was, he was turning this teaching again, of like, I don't do this. I can't do zazen. Everything together does zazen. Like that old, old teaching by Suzuki Roshi, zazen sits zazen. I don't do this. I hear that and I'm a little stunned. You know, there's a little wonder. But I also feel another layer of Suzuki Roshi's kindness in there that is, um, it's again like, I can't do this because we're all doing it together. It means that I'm free of the self-evaluation that says, oh, I can't. I can't do this. That does not have to weigh on me. I have the freedom and encouragement that we're all doing this together. It's so much more vast than me succeeding or failing, but instead all being participating as this one body. So zazen is just to be yourself, but yourself is so much more and less than you imagine. I think the word yourself points, points to a web of something much more complex and points to the fact that there's absolutely nothing there. Just to be yourself. So seeing them do this, and one of the reasons I share about the, the stories about Mako and Jiryu ascending the mountain is I, I personally felt so much inspiration and uh, encouragement for the next generation of uh, Zen practitioners and for all of us, for all of our communities. I felt really inspired. And I want to share that with you. So Zazen is just to be yourself also comes up in friction with the fact that Zen training is not easy, really not easy. Um, I don't know who said this, but they said uh, Zen masters are Zen students who had a really hard time in their early life. <laughs> and something about that uh, prepared them for what Zen training was gonna be like. Trungpa Rinpoche, a long time ago, uh, said something like, if you haven't started the path, don't because it will ask everything of you. So community life, just like this one, and residential life, it's designed to rub up against our edges. We call that form of training the snake and the bamboo tube. We put ourselves in the form of the community, and then we move around, and we see where we bump. We bump and we hit. We see ourselves, we get up early, we do zazen and service, we do work practice together, all the challenges of community, interpersonal stuff, and the bathroom chores, you know, these things that, they, every bit of this, these are all places where the training of interpersonal life comes to be. And the training of what's going on with this one comes to be. Just to be myself is zazen. 
and just to be myself in community shows me, am I? Am I, am, I living, am I living into just to be myself? Or am I living into uh, me, myself, and mine? Yeah, the temple, the temple becomes a teacher that shows me things like how I suffer, how I'm insincere, how I try to uh, cheat the schedule, um, how I cloud myself and how I hurt others. But then it also shows the very same process, like how we endeavor with our whole heart and how we encourage each other. It's a humbling form of learning, just like putting ourselves on the cushion. One of my friends was training at Green Gulch Farm some years ago and uh, he was the attendant to the abbot many, many years ago. And um, he was getting kind of frustrated. He's like, uh, oh, he was the attendant of the abbot and what that meant is he had to show up extra early. So we already don't sleep. And then show up a little extra early to do like, wake up for tea and pick up the abbot and take them to the zendo. And, um, he was getting a little frustrated because there wasn't much explicit teaching snake in the bamboo tube, like he felt the pressure, right? So he, one day he gets frustrated and he says, when are you going to teach me? When are you gonna teach me, please? And she said, every morning, every morning when you bow, don't I bow back? I was puzzled about that for a good long while. I was like, mm, what, does she, what does she mean? But in this practice of just to be yourself, this like learning to bow together, learning to attune to one another, it's like we grow more skillful at it as we grow more skillful at becoming attuned to ourselves. What we learn on the cushion. There's so much that arises when our awareness is unencumbered by our stories uh, or our stories arise and we release them and we keep this process of observation going. So much is opened for us. Not easy. I think you may sense how we're like, tre we're treading really closely on two sides of something here. It's like, we've got to make this personal effort because it's hard, it's really hard. And we're treading on this other side that's like, you can't do zazen. All beings do zazen, just relax. And both of, the, both of those are there. Are they intention? Maybe. There are two ways of perceiving the same thing. In this uh, old teaching poem called the Sandokai, you say that in the light there is darkness, but you don't take it as darkness. In the dark there is light, but you don't see it as light. But light and dark oppose one another, like the front and back foot in walking. They work together. Each of the myriad things has its merit expressed according to function and place. It's like sometimes zazen, you can, you can perceive that you're being held and participating with the entire world of all things and all time. It happens sometimes, you feel it. 
sense it. And other times your zazen, the other foot. It's just like sweat and striving and I can't possibly sit here for another second. And that has its function in place. The trick of it is even in the sweat and striving, there is, that does not arise without everything, without the support of everything. It doesn't mean that we know it. <laughs> it doesn't mean we perceive it. And it doesn't mean the thing to do. But even when it's tough, everything, everything is arising. It can't help but be. Zazen is just to be ourselves. So thankfully we have this whole long roster of skillful means and practices to help us stay in the moment, stay here, stay attuned. So that whether, whether we're perceiving emptiness or we're perceiving uh, discrete physical pain, um, we have these skillful means to keep us here and attuned to see what is just to be myself right here now in this condition, in this context. First one we ever learn, and the one that Suzuki Roshi returned to at the end of his life was breath counting. Breathing in one, breathing out one, breathing in two, breathing out two. It's like the it's like the zazen form of noting practice for anyone who does vipassana practice. Um, or Dogen's teacher encouraging Dogen, uh, saying it. He had this very poetic way of talking. He was like, oh, the, the way of the Buddhas and ancestors is to place the uh, awareness in the palm of the left hand when it's, in your, when it's in your mudra like this. So we have these skillful means to help us. There's this brand new one I learned that I'd never heard before until this weekend at the mountain seat ceremony that I wanted to share with you. So... Um, Shortly before Jiryu ascends the mountain, he was, um, someone came to, a friend, someone came to speak on behalf of all friends of Jiryu in the ritual. They get to be included in the community, right? And gave Jiryu a gift. And it was like this big, it, it, from where I was sitting, it looked like this big washed river stone, like one of these big flat stones, maybe like this like a big uh, loaf of bread size or something. And he handed it to him and he told him this story. Again, that I'd never heard before. That Suzuki Roshi, I'm imagining toward the end of his life, but sometime when he was quite sick, he asked a student to bring him a heavy stone, which the student did. Then Suzuki Roshi Placed that, placed that rock on his chest while he's lying down in his bed. And he explained, this stone is more real than what I'm thinking about. Suzuki Roshi was using the support of actual earth to stay connected with this rather than fantasy. 
And this is someone who I imagine just had a, a penetrating insight into emptiness. And he chose to meditate on a rock for that time. It was the right skillful means for him for that time. Because it kept him here. It kept him here. That's my interpretation. But I was really touched by that story. This is more real than what I'm thinking. I think I'll say one more thing about the mountain seat ceremony. And this was sort of maybe my riff on this statement that, statement that the new abbot makes as they're up there on the mountain. One of them is called the backbone. It's supposed to represent the, the, the spine, the backbone of their understanding of Zen. And in Dharma language, I thought, Jiryu let loose a lion's roar. It was unbelievable. Of beauty and profundity. I was, I was really inspired. And what I heard was that just to be ourselves, we first learn to accompany ourselves to just see what's here. And we learn that this pro through this process of self-understanding, learn what's actually experienced by this dignified breathing body through a clear vision, not turning away, not hiding, but just again and again, gently releasing our impulses to hide, destroy, deny, distract. But learning this art of accompanying ourselves just to be ourselves, and we learn the art of accompanying others. I hear this in my own mind and heart, this voice inside me that says, I know you, I know you, dear one. I'm right here. And we come to know others not in, the, not in the realm of their content, though that's there too, right? Not in this like, oh, I'm an expert in your life sort of way. But, by, but through the capacity of having attuned with ourselves so intimately that we can really let someone else just be them. Just to be you is enough. And we plunge ourselves into every challenge and difficulty that we have and they have. Our ears and skin may be burning, but we bring, we bring this support of attunement and compassion. He said, that's what a practice of freedom is for. Catherine Thanis had this to say. 
When I listened to Suzuki Roshi's talks, his openness drew me to him. When he talked, he took away all my distress. Here's the good part. Instead of closing in and making me feel as if I should be a certain way, he took it all away. So any way that I was, was okay. Any funny, weird, incomplete way anyone was, was okay. And I think that's true for all of us who met him and felt so acknowledged. We'd never been that met or that acknowledged. There wasn't anything I needed to prove. People used to say they would go to see Suzuki Roshi for Dokusan, formal interview. And afterwards, they didn't have any problems. I'm inspired by that as the power of meeting that we, we learn as we, as we learn just to be ourselves is enough. <laughs>